0: Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Thrive Church, a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. Um, And you are welcome to take your seats as you continue to applaud them. Uh, Well done, guys. Really, on behalf of the pastors, Uh, We want to say, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, It is the best decision that you could ever make to plant yourself in the house of God. You know what Scripture tells us? That if we plant ourselves in the house of the Lord, that we will flourish in the courts of our God. And it's so important, if you are part of Thrive, you will know that your lives begin to flourish when you plant. And the reason your lives begin to flourish is because your roots go down deep and you get all the nutrients of that soil and your life begins to flourish. And so I want to encourage you, if you've been sitting in this church for a couple of months now and you've been checking us out, or if you're church hopping and going between a few churches, I want to encourage you to find a life-giving church that is centered around Jesus and plant yourself there. And get the nutrients of that soil so that your life can begin to thrive. And, you know, I just want to... Give a heads up. Thrive is a great name for a church, right? (laughs) Because we want to thrive. And so it's so important. If you've been here for a while, next week is Move Forward. And it's the front door to our church where we say, Welcome, 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 welcome. We want to introduce ourselves to you and we want you to introduce yourself to us. And together we want to partner because a church is not a place where we come and spectate, a church is a place where we plant. A church is a place where we become family. A church is the place where together we're the body of Christ. And we need each other. You know, the toe needs the foot and the foot needs the ankle and the you can pick whichever part you want to be, okay? <laughs> uh, so make your way to move forward next week. Sign up online. Sign up at the info desk. Come to the 8.30 a.m. service. Grab something to eat between the services and then make your way to our Move Forward class, which is through that glass door there upstairs. And some of our incredible team would like to help you partner with us. Uh, So we would love for you to do exactly what these wonderful people have done. We've had 70 people uh, partner with us at our Boxburg campus over the last little while and 30 in our Edenvale campus. So we've had 100 between the two campuses and we're just so um, blessed that God is building His church and together we get to be part of that. And so today it's my privilege to continue with our sermon series. And it's part two of our sermon series. And I want to say, if you missed part one, Pastor Byron preached an incredible message. If you missed it, you don't want to miss because you're missing some of the nutrients of the soil. So go online to our YouTube page, uh, subscribe to it and listen to that message because it was a powerful message that will honestly change your life. Uh, Caitlin our daughter was sitting in the service um, because she got baptized last week, which we were so excited about. And she told me absolutely everything that her dad preached. I nearly fell on the floor. Because, uh, you know, when they're sitting there with their arms folded, you're not really sure they're actually hearing anything. But she told me the entire message. And I said, Byron, you preached well. (laughs) Our daughter remembered everything. Uh, So go on to our YouTube, listen to it, subscribe to it, don't miss anything. But today I get to continue on this series of Jesus said what? You know, so much of what Jesus said was confusing for the people of the day. So much of what Jesus said was controversial. So much of what Jesus said was challenging. And today I get the privilege of speaking into just one of those things that Jesus said. But if you'd be so kind as to stand to your feet, I would like to open up with a word of prayer um, so that God would speak to each of us in this moment. Father God, we're so excited to be in your presence today because we know that Scripture tells us where three of us are gathered in your name, that there you are in the midst of us. And today we're so grateful that you are here and you have already been working. Father God, would you speak to each and every one of us individually today? Would you prompt us, Father? Would you speak to us? Would your Holy Spirit uh, just speak directly to us? As much as you are a corporate God, you are an individual God. And we wait to hear your voice today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen amen you may take your seats you know there are two things that I love about us as South Africans the first thing is our resilience you know it really doesn't matter what comes at us as a nation we are a resilient people we do not break right Um, all sorts of things we can have floods and we can have riots and uh, we can have COVID in its extreme forms but we are a resilient nation right transitions um, of government can take place and we are resilient nation we rise up and and we don't break and we just take things in our stride and we work hard and we overcome and I really love that about South Africans the second thing I really love about us as South Africans is our sense of humor you know, it does not take long. It's usually about eight hours before we're making jokes about whatever it is. Whether it's lockdown or load shedding, we are making jokes. You know, we were, I think, in day one of, lo- of lockdown, and we were already getting memes of people pulling out their hair and videos about us not loving our children that much because they needed to go to school. And, you know, we are, we make jokes about everything. And just the other day, I was listening to the radio, and instead of everybody moaning about load shedding, they were making jokes about load shedding, and they were talking about the most inconvenient times for load shedding to take place, and it was a super funny conversation. And so these were some of the things that were highlighted. So the one person said, well, I just made popcorn. I sat down on my couch, and I put on my uh, favorite TV series, and ba doom Load setting. Another one said, I walked to the kettle, I put it on, and She was like, I thought I tripped the lights. She said, like, I thought I tripped, but it was load shedding. Um, Another one said um, that they were in this massive intersection in the middle of Marlborough, and they were in the middle of the intersection, and the electricity went off, and they were like, do I stop? Do I go? Do I, I don't know what to do in this moment. Another lady said, my child was in the middle of their concert singing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, you know, with the back track, and load shedding happened, like stage lights gone. Music gone, Uh, you know, like just the funniest moments for load shedding to take place. Another one said, and this is my best, that their son was at the barber and he was getting a shave. (laughs) Apparently, he had quite an afro going, and uh, she said uh, he was getting a shave, and the barber had done only half of his head. And load shedding happened. And so the barber said to him, You're going to need to walk around the mall for three hours and then come back. Well, apparently, this teenager just took it in its stride. Like, this is the new fashion, guys. <laughs> uh, the other one said that they were in the middle of a tattoo and load shedding happened, and they didn't have the courage to continue. So they never came back. So they have a half a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as funny as these moments are, I find myself planning my life around load shedding. When am I going to do my washing? Uh, when am I going to put my dishwasher on? When I cook my meal? Because inevitably it does it at five when I'm supposed to be cooking, you know? So um, when am I going to cook? When am I going to have lights so that my children can do their homework? Because that maths work is quite important at this age, Right actually at any age, but it, it's important. And so I find myself planning my life around load shedding. Just the other day, we went for a meal to a beautiful couple at our Edenvale campus' house, and they literally kicked us out because load shedding was about to take place. We were talking way too much. They're like, go out of the gate, and you can talk to us there because load shedding is about to take place, and I will not be able to open my gate for you. <laughs> and so they went out, we went out, and load shedding happened in that moment. So I planned my life around load shedding. I'm not sure about you, I'm sure you plan your life around load shedding as well. But it got me thinking about biblical times and about Jesus and about his disciples. Because what we know for sure is they didn't have electricity, they didn't have lights, and they didn't have candles. You can Google that. They did not even have candles, they were not invented. And so, you can be sure that Jesus and his disciples planned their lives around when they could see. When they could see is when they would walk. When they could see is when they would fish. When they could see is when they would go to the temple. In other words, in the day. They would prepare their meal in the day. Because in Jesus' day, all they had was a small pottery lamp. And this pottery lamp had a linen wick And the linen wick was surrounded by olive oil that would burn. And as you can imagine, a little pottery lamp did not light up a massive amount of space. So when the sun went down, it was dark, aside from this tiny little lamp, which, I mean, wouldn't begin to eliminate the darkness that was setting over the land at the time. And so it's into this backdrop that Jesus says one of the strangest phrases of all time. One of the, the phrases that like, Jesus, you said what? Um, you know, he said one of those phrases into this backdrop. And so if you have your Bibles, if you'd be so kind as to turn uh, to John 8 verses 12 with me, uh, if you have it, otherwise it will be on the screen. But this is one of those incredibly crazy phrases that Jesus spoke. John 8, verse 12, and I'm reading from the NLT, and it says this And Jesus spoke to the people once more, and he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness, because you will have the light that leads to life. In a time and place where people understood darkness all too well, Jesus makes this completely absurd statement. He says, I am the light. Not only am I the light, I am the light of the world. Now you can imagine his disciples going, Jesus, like I've been with you when the sun sets and you are not the light, okay? Like I don't see you illuminate. You don't exude light. It doesn't come from you. So you can imagine this must have been a confusing statement to have heard from Jesus. But it's so important that when we read Scripture, that we understand the context into which this phrase was spoken. And so what we need to understand is that this time, when Jesus said this, they were in the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles. Just two chapters before tells us that Jesus was in Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles was a seven-day feast. I mean, I want a seven-day feast. Like, Christmas, I feel, is too short. Like, could we have a seven-day Christmas feast, you know? (laughs) We have a two-day Christmas feast because it's Pastor Steve's birthday the day after Christmas. So we have Christmas and Boxing Day. But I'd like a seven-day feast. And so they had a seven-day feast in which they celebrated God's goodness, God's faithfulness to the Israelites. And what they were celebrating is how Moses had led them out of slavery in Egypt through the wilderness and into the promised land. And they were celebrating God's goodness, His leading, His guiding. But what we need to understand is, the context of the time when god led them through the wilderness he provided two things for them two things that led them two things that guided them two things that protected them and the one thing was a pillar of cloud by day they were went through a desert and so how incredible God provided a pillar of cloud to protect them from the searing heat and also to guide them. And as the pillar moved, the Israelites would move and they were protected. But at night, he provided a, a pillar of fire by night. And as you know, if you've been anywhere near a desert, uh, deserts can be freezing cold at night. And so the reason for, for this is that the pillar of fire was there to give them light and also warmth. And as the pillar moved, so the people would move. And so the Israelites at this festival were celebrating God's goodness and faithfulness to them and their ancestors in that He led them through the desert and to the promised land and provided them two pillars that helped them and led them. And so one of the practices that they did at this festival is that they lit four lanterns. And it's going to be on the screen behind me now. And they, in the court of women, what they would do is on the first night of the festival is that they would light lanterns. Now, these lanterns were huge lanterns. Each one had four four containers that would hold 15 liters of oil, and for the entire seven days, the priests in training would climb up the ladders, fill the containers with oil to keep them burning for the entire seven days. And what was said by witnesses is that that courtyard could be seen throughout Jerusalem. There was so much light coming from the courtyard of the woman during this festival that lasted seven days that all the dark alleys in Jerusalem could see that light. All the houses which had no natural light in them um, were dark, could see that courtyard. And on the last day, when those lights went out, Jesus says these words, I am the light of the world. What he was saying is you've seen the lights and you're thanking God, but those lights, they went out after seven days. But I am the light that will never go out. I am the light that will change the world if you allow me to lead you and guide you. And so it's into this context that Jesus says, I am the light of the world when the lights in that courtyard went out. And so it's important for us as we read Scripture to understand the context into which it was spoken because so much more meaning can be extrapolated from it. The second thing uh, that is important when reading Scripture is to understand the words themselves. And so we're going to go back to this text for a moment. We're going to read the scripture again, and then I'm going to highlight some of the phrases that were spoken a- and extrapolate just some of the meanings so that it gives us way more depth and understanding and meaning. So we, let's go back to John 8 verse 12. And it says this, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So there are a couple of things that we can learn from reading this text itself. Firstly, the first phrase I want to highlight is the I am phrase. I am. It's a forceful statement. Jesus isn't saying, I might be, I could be, perhaps you would like me to be. Nope. He says, I am. It's an emphatic statement. You know, he's saying, pay attention to the words that come after the I am. Because I am about to reveal something about myself to you. I am, and then he says, the lights of the world. You know, when someone says I am, you should stop and pay attention. Because what they're about to say afterwards is going to reveal something about them. So if I say to Pastor Baron, I am hungry which is often, by the way, (laughs) he needs to pay attention, okay? Because I am hungry can become I am hangry really quickly, which is hungry, angry, uh, which is never good for my family, okay? Or if I say something along the lines of I am Lebanese, and I can break your knees, um, it's important that what follows the I am is paid attention to, because it's about to reveal something to you. The next phrase I want to focus on for a moment is, I'm going to leave light because we're coming back to that, but I'm going to focus on the world. I am the light of the world. And so that makes us need to have to stop and ask ourselves, who is the world? If Jesus is saying he is the light of the world, who is the world? Well, we have to interpret Scripture in the light of Scripture, and the Bible tells us that we are the world. Every single one of us are the world. Black, white, Indian, mixed race, old, young, poor, rich. We are the world. So what Jesus is saying is He is the light for everyone. Not just for some, and in this context, not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles as well. He is the light for everyone. It's important. But then, to be honest, here's the crux of the whole sermon. So if you hear nothing else because you have COVID brain or you feel like I speak too much, uh, whatever it is, this is the most important part of the sermon. This phrase, if you follow. If you follow. Friends, Today, whether you're watching online or whether you're in the building, you and I, we have a choice. If it's not a command you don't have to follow, it's a choice, and it's an invitation. Our God, He's an invitational God. He invites us into a place of saying, hey, you're welcome to follow me, but ultimately it's your choice. You get to decide, and you get to decide, and you get to decide, and you're watching online, you get to decide. We get to decide if we follow. Because he's a gentleman, and he extends an invitation. He doesn't force himself on us. He says, hey guys, if you follow. But the beautiful thing about following is it has a consequence. So if I follow, then I don't have darkness, I have light. If I choose not to follow, I'm surrounded by darkness. And so it's important to know that the decisions we make today will determine how we live. The decision you make, the decision I make, the decision we make determines how we live. So if I choose to follow, then I, darkness gets removed and I get light. If I choose not to follow, I will walk in darkness. The Scripture is so, so clear for us. There's consequences to our decision. The next thing I want to point out is the scripture says, follow me. This is a present participle. In other words, it's a daily decision to follow. It's not follow once, right? There's many, many people who make a decision once off to follow Christ, They put up their hand and they respond and it's just, I mean, it's beautiful, but it stops there. They're like, I made the decision. No, friends, every single day, you and I wake up with a new decision as to whether we're going to follow Jesus or not. It's a daily following, not a once-off following. And then the final phrase I want to point out and highlight today is this phrase that says, you will have the light. That leads to life. The light that leads to life. And so, what is this life? Well, we have to use Scripture to interpret Scripture. And Scripture tells us that this life is both two things it's abundant life here and now. Here and now. In other words, you and I, no matter the circumstances, because circumstances will come and circumstances will go, but we can still have an abundant life in the here and now. Because we have Christ who is leading us and guiding us and giving us the light that leads to life. So that's the first life we can have. And the second life we have access to because we choose to follow Him is eternal life on the day that we die. Then Scripture tells us, absent from the body, present with the Lord, if we are following Him. And so now we've had a a brief look at, firstly, uh, the history into which the Scripture was spoken and the the culture of the day into which the Scripture was uh, spoken, but also the words themselves. And the words are so powerful. When you just take a moment and ask some questions, we learn so, so much. And so we've had a look at that. But now I want to have a look at the metaphor of light. And I believe that Jesus chose this metaphor of light because it transcends time. In other words, life is as important today as it was then. Am I right? Do you value your lights, uh, your electricity? Like, do you value the fact that you can see? Okay, only me. (laughs) Well, I do. And so light is as important today as it, as it was then. And so we understand fully the importance of that metaphor. Because Jesus used one that we would understand its relevance, irrespective of the age. And so there are two things that you and I, that we can learn from the symbol of light today. There are many more. I've just chosen two because I feel like these are the most powerful two for today. The first thing that light does is it removes darkness. Light removes darkness. You know, when I was growing up, my younger sister Kim was petrified of the dark. Petrified. So much so that she would sleep with her bedside lamp on. Now, for most people this isn't a problem except the fact that Kim and I used to share a room. Which was a huge problem for her irritated older sister. So my older sisters each had a room and then Kim and I shared this room and Kim would insist on sleeping with her lamp on. And so the moment I thought she was asleep, I would switch off that lamp because it would be so irritating. But many a time I got the timing wrong and Kim would be crying because she wasn't quite asleep and it was too dark. And uh, she was so afraid of the dark that when my dad would get home from work, he would often ask for his slippers. And so she would have to go all the way up the passage to his room to fetch his slippers. But she was so afraid that as she walked, she would switch on bedroom light number one, passage light number two, bathroom light number three, bedroom light number two, bedroom light number three, and then my parents' bedroom light. Grab his slippers, then switch all the lights off uh, as she came back um, to be with us and to give him his slippers. And I actually think he did that on purpose. He never really asked me to get his slippers. I think he did that uh, so that um, Kim could overcome her fear of the dark, which she did, by the way. My dad and her prayed and they overcame that. It was the most beautiful thing. But what I realized years later is that Kim wasn't actually afraid of the dark itself, right? She was afraid of what she couldn't see in the dark, Of what might have been hiding in the dark. So it wasn't the dark itself, but it was what could have been hiding in the dark. And the reason she put on the light was so that the light could remove the darkness. (laughs) Friends, when Jesus tells us that He is the light of the world, what He is actually saying is He is the one who removes the darkness around us. And there are two darknesses that he's talking about. Firstly, it's the darkness of this world. Scripture tells us that this world is Satan's, it's his dominion. He's the ruler of this world. Which sometimes as Christ followers could be like a little bit frightening. But because we follow Jesus, we have a light that removes the darkness around us. And we do not have to be afraid because the light of Christ lives in me and it dispels, it removes, it pushes the darkness of the world away, the darkness around us. But not only does it remove the darkness that is around us, but it also removes the darkness that is within us. Friends, whether we like to admit it or not, we all have sin which we like to keep from each other and from God. But I just want to give us all a little heads up. God sees and God knows. We, there's no hiding anything from God. You know, we can be like Adam and Eve, right? And run and hide, but He knows. And we might be a little bit more successful at hiding our sin from each other, but only for a season. Only for a season, because Eventually, the truth is going to come and it's going to need to set us free. And so, what what God is wanting to do is to make us more like Him. And so, what He does is He shines His light on our souls. And He says, Hey, Candace, that anger, you need to deal with that anger. What about that shame? that you're feeling, and he shines his light, and he invites us into his light. He shines his light on our unforgiveness, perhaps on our bad language, right? We used to swear. Then we made a decision to follow Jesus, and all of a sudden, every time we say a bad word, we're like, Jesus has got our number, and he's going, hey, I don't think you should say that. And then he's basically coming and bringing his light into the darkness within us so that we can become more like him. You know, and it's a gradual becoming more like him. I'm so grateful that he is a graceful God, that he only points out one thing at a time because it would be too much for me. Like I just throw the towel in right now, you know? Um, But he doesn't do that. He's like, okay, let's work on this. And then you just say, oh God, forgive me. And I surrender to you and I surrender my bad language and I surrender my lust or whatever it is that is shining his light on. And all of a sudden we start to become more like him. We start to move towards Him as He removes the darkness that is in the world and within us. So only one question for us today on this point. What is the area of your life? In this moment, the Holy Spirit will prompt you that God is shining His light in. And where is He saying, hey... There's a darkness within you that needs to have my light shine on it and in it. For instance, God doesn't do this to condemn us, but He does it to free us so that we can live more in that abundant life. The second thing that we learn from the symbol of light today is that light directs the way. Can you say that? Light directs the way. Light directs the way. I'm going to take a very short left. Can you stick with me? I'm going to come back to this point. Can you stick with me? Yes. Okay, I just need to remind you that you are the 10.30 a.m. service. <laughs> you had more sleep. You stayed up late. You watched the Liverpool and Real Madrid game. Did you watch that game? Yes. <laughs> You watch the game. Kulu's the happiest person in the building today. <laughs> you watch that game. You've had more sleep, and you are 1030, which means you are awake. Wow. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thanks, Tara. <laughs> All right. I'm taking a short lift. Our extreme youth camp is coming up. in. I think it's like three weeks time. I just lose track. It just happens too quickly. It's just coming. It's coming. Get every one of the teens in this building on camp. If you have a teenager, can I encourage you to register them on camp, get them on camp, get them into the presence of God. Because when we're in the presence of God, everything changes. You know, youth is brilliant every single week. Extreme is outstanding, but it is only two hours that our teenagers can be in the presence of God. Whereas a youth camp is two days where our teenagers are in the presence of God, and something incredible happens uh, when we are in the presence of God. Is Josh in the building? I'm too scared to ask. Yes. (laughs) Josh, would you stand? So... Have a look at that young man. He led us in worship today, uh, a portion of the service today. And what Josh tells us in a testimony is that he went on camp because it was a cool thing to do, and he went with his friends, and he thought it was just going to be a fat jaw. Am I right? (laughs) But he had an encounter with God on camp, and now he is leading us into the presence of God on a Sunday. Thanks, Josh. You can sit. friends this only happens when we place our teens in a position where they can encounter God and so at Thrive we say no teen left behind which means that we want as many teens as possible on camp And so that means we are asking for some sponsorships for teens to be on camp because not everybody can afford to send their teens on camp. And so if you have means and you can sponsor a teen or two or half a teen or 10 teens, um, go to the info desk, say sponsoring a teen to camp because we want no teens left behind. Or you could do an EFT and just say camp sponsorship because we do not want any teen left behind. But what I love about camps, because I'm actually a camp junkie, okay? Like, just put me on a camp. I'm there. Um, What I love about camps are the nights when the torches come out. And those torches are so fun because you just see them going everywhere. But the torches are are for a couple of purposes, right? The first reason the torches come out is so that they can find the toilets. It's like, where's the toilets? Where's the toilets? Okay. The second reason is to find their friends. Okay. Like, are you my friend? Are you my friend? Because it's super dark on camp. Another reason that the torches has come out is so that they can find their way to the meeting hall right? Like, Because they are never close. Your dorms are there and the meeting rooms are there. And then later the campfire is over there and um, they're using their torch to find their way uh, to, to the campfire. And then they have night walks, which are my favorites, because then you see the chameleons on the tree and uh, it's brilliant. But what is super funny is that there are always a handful of teens that leave their torches behind, And they are the ones who end up in the wrong room. And it's not on purpose, guys. (laughs) They end up in the wrong bathroom. They literally stumble on the rock and then need first aid because they've kicked their toe open. Uh, That is what happens on camp, which is like so funny to watch. But when Jesus is saying these words, that he is the light of the world, he is saying that he is the one that directs the way. He is the one that gives enough light for us to see which way we should go. He is the one that if we just follow the torch, we will know where to go. We won't end up in the wrong room, right? Uh, We won't end up in the wrong bathrooms. We won't end up stubbing our toe because we're following the torch, the light that gives us direction. One thing I know about a torch is that it literally only gives you enough light for your feet, right? It doesn't, it's not a spotlight. It's not a floodlight that floods the whole courts or the whole field. It's just enough light for, for your feet. And the reason is so that we will trust him. The reason is that we will obey him. He's saying, hey, here's enough light. Go here. Oh, there's more light. Go here. Go here. Friends, Jesus is telling us that He is the light of the world so that He can direct us. But it requires of us that we trust Him. It requires of us that we obey Him because often He lights the way and we're like, no, I prefer to go in the dark. prefer to go my own way, stub my toe. So I want to go back to the text one last time as we wrap up today. Scripture tells us, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Friends, the whole point of this entire message is that there's this phrase that says, If you will follow Friends, you and I, we're invited to follow. And if we follow the light, he will remove the darkness. He will remove the darkness in the world. He will remove the darkness that resides within our souls. And not only will he remove the darkness, but he will start to lead the way. He'll start to light the way. He'll say, come this way, come this way. You won't hurt yourself if you come this way. You know, a few weeks ago, our family, we spent a weekend in Cape Town, and we did all the sightseeing things. And the the day before we were meant to leave, because we had done Table Mountain, and we did, like, all the super fun things, Pastor Byron says to me, let's go and do the castle in Cape Town. I did not know there was a castle in Cape Town. Anyone know there was a castle in Cape Town? (laughs) Okay, well, there's a castle in Cape Town, and it looks like that. And on the tour, our tour guide took us into the solitary confinement prison cell. And it was dark. (laughs) And it was dingy. And there was absolutely no natural light in the solitary confinement prison cell. And then he said to us, what I'm going to do is I'm going to switch off the light so that you can see what the prisoners of the day would have experienced with no natural light coming in. And so I held on to my son for dear life, but not for his sake, for mine. Uh, And I held on to him for dear life and the tour guide switched off the light and it was pitch dark and it was frightening and I could not see my hand in front of my face. And i thought like these poor prisoners this is what they experienced in the day complete no concept of light and day and night and day just solitary confinement darkness and the only thing that made me realize that i was still in the right place was that my tour guide was talking because if he was not speaking i would have thought they've gone i'm left in solitary confinement alone i'm in prison Uh, but the the fact that my tour guide was speaking is the only thing that brought me comfort in that moment. And what felt like an eternity before He switched the lights on. And then He switched the lights on, which then removed the darkness and removed the fear. Church, so many of us are walking around in darkness, unnecessarily afraid, because we just won't switch the lights on because we won't invite the light of life to lead us. And it's so unnecessary to walk around so afraid and to walk around uh, in the darkness, because all we need to do is switch on that light. And when we do, what it means is that uh, we will live and learn from Jesus' life here on earth. And when we turn on that light, it means that we will listen to His words. And when we learn from Him, it means that we will live a life filled with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we invite the light of life into our lives, our characters will become more like Him. And we will live in forgiveness, and we will live trusting Him, and we will live obeying Him. And our past will be truly forgiven, and we will have a purpose for living right now, and one day, heaven will be our home. You know, I heard a story the other day of some children and they had started on their journey and they were full of joy because their father had given them every single thing that they needed to make the journey, including a torch to light the way. But there was just one problem. As odd as it might have seemed, the children weren't using their torch They carried it with them, but they never turned it on. And to be honest, it was sad to watch, to watch their progress as they agonized over every single step, as they stumbled forward. They were falling forward, but all the while not putting on their torches. And they complained about the darkness, and they allowed discouragement and depression to grip their hearts, and they wondered, If their father had forgotten them. But all the while, they failed to turn on their torch. Friends, today, you and I, we have an opportunity in this moment to follow the life that leads to light and to turn on the torch in our lives. And so, would you be so kind as to bow your head, close your eyes, and we're just gonna take a moment to respond to what we've heard here today. Perhaps you've been in church for years, or perhaps today is your first day. Welcome. But today you get to make a decision, a decision to turn the light of Christ on in your life. And so in a few moments, I'm going to ask you to pop up your hand, and I'd love to include you in a prayer. And this prayer is a prayer where you are just saying, God, I want to follow you. God, I I choose today to follow you, Jesus, and to allow your light to dispel the darkness in the world around me, to dispel the darkness in me, and I want you to lead and guide me. And when we make this decision, what we need to know is our past is forgiven, we have a purpose for living today, and home will be our heaven one day. And so on the count of three, I'm not going to prolong this Uh, any further if with every head bowed every eye closed if you want to make a decision if you choose to follow Jesus today I'm going to ask you to pop up your hand and I just want to include you in my prayer and so if that's you would you pop up your hand one two three right where you are I'd love to include you in my prayer that's you today, would you pop up your hand? Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you at the back. I see those hands. Thank you over here on the left. Today's the day you want to choose to follow Jesus, to make the best decision of switching on the torch. Friends, let's not walk around afraid. Let's not walk around frightened. My eyes are on the balcony. If you want to indicate to me that you'd like to be included in my prayer, would you raise your hand? love to include you in this prayer you want to turn the light of christ on thank you i see all those hands at the back one last call if you'd like me to include you in this prayer would you pop up your hand thank you at the balcony i see that hand thank you all right thrive 10 30 let's pray this prayer together would you repeat after me there's so many people who have made a decision to follow jesus today would you repeat after me dear lord jesus For far too long, I've kept you out of my life. And I know that all along, you've wanted a friendship with me. But that my sin, it separated me from you. By faith today, I gratefully receive your gift of salvation. And I'm ready to trust and follow you. As the Lord of my life. Please come into my heart. Give me your light. That leads to life. In Jesus name. And everybody said together. A resounding. Amen. We hope you have been blessed and helped by this message. For more information about our church. Visit our website at www dot